Our scripture text from today comes from Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Let us listen to God's word to us. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. The two went down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet the Spirit had not come upon any of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. There are many superstitions out there. Many things that we sort of believe, but also don't. If you were to play a game with someone who's never played before and they win, there's a chance that you'll attribute that to beginner's luck. Superstition. Whether beginners actually win more often at a new game or if we simply tend to remember when a beginner has won, beginner's luck is something that we sort of believe, but also don't. Or not walking under a ladder, because walking under a ladder brings bad luck. Some even say that this particular superstition comes from the Christian faith. The idea is that if a ladder is propped up against a wall, it forms a triangle, which is the symbol for the Trinity. So walking under this ladder would break the triangle and therefore was blasphemous. Or maybe it's just a superstition, because if you walk under a ladder and accidentally knock it over, that would be bad for everyone involved. I personally like the practicality of that reason. Nevertheless, walking under a ladder as bad luck is something we sort of believe, but also don't. There are superstitions about black cats bringing bad luck and rabbit's feet bringing good luck. Bad luck apparently comes in threes, and breaking a mirror will cause bad luck for seven years. Superstition. I'll never forget sitting in a class on the New Testament and my professor getting up to teach for 25 minutes on the bad luck of the number 666. Three sixes in a row. Generally speaking, that is bad news. So in this lecture, this professor begins talking theologically and biblically and even, yes, even mathematically, working out why the number 666 is such a bad thing. It was well-researched, well-thought-out, brilliantly taught. I have never in my life seen a class more vigorously taking notes. Talk about an attentive crowd. So he finishes his 25-minute lecture on the number 666 and its relation to all things evil by decoding its significance on the whiteboard. Still attentive, seminarians throughout the room are on the edges of their seat taking notes. Finally, someone to decode the meaning of 666 and someone who can biblically back his claim. He begins to fill out his decoded meaning as though it were a game of hangman, where he begins to fill in the letters one at a time. What is the meaning of 666? As he begins writing, anticipation was building, and he begins to fill in the letters B-A-R, until the board read, Barney the Purple Dinosaur. Now, with a smirk on his face, we could all see that this was the best April Fool's joke ever pulled on a class. 
But the superstition, the superstition about the number preceded him, and he was able to talk for 25 minutes about its meaning and inherent evil. Honestly, the best joke I've ever seen. Because the number 666 is one of those things that we believe is bad in that it brings bad luck, but we also aren't sure why we believe it. We sort of believe it, but also don't. We knock on wood to ensure something will or won't happen. We make wishes on wishbones. We cross our fingers and hope to die. And we never open umbrellas inside. Superstitions are those things we sort of believe but also don't. But at the end of the day, why test it? If there is any inkling of truth in it, better safe than sorry. However, this is also our feeling toward the Holy Spirit. We sort of believe in him, her, it, and also don't. We believe in three persons as part of the Godhead, but the Holy Spirit is the most confusing of those persons to fully understand. The problem, you see, the problem with the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is unpredictable. The Holy Spirit convicts us and shapes us to look like Christ. The Holy Spirit is the God person that lives in us and works to comfort and train and guide us. The Holy Spirit even speaks on our behalf. The Holy Spirit is the person of God who continues to be right here with us. But still, we aren't fully comfortable with that. We sort of believe in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's power and goodness and conviction, but also don't. So these few verses from the book of Acts speak of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's power. But these verses also come in the middle of a rather interesting story. At this time, Saul, Saul who is not yet Paul, is persecuting the church. He is dragging men and women out of their homes and sending them to prison for believing in Christ. Under this persecution, the apostles are working to spread the good news of Jesus, and one of those apostles is Philip. So Philip goes to the city of Samaria and begins to proclaim the Messiah to them. Remember the Samaritans? The Jews don't get along with the Samaritans. The Samaritans are foreigners with Jewish roots, but they are unclean in their following of God. The irony of it all is that the Samaritans have been worshipping Israel's God and following Moses' law and looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. In fact, there were even times where they, the Samaritans, were doing these things better than the Jews were. Let that be a caution to us. When we speak about those other Christians who don't do things like we do, remember the Samaritans. Remember them as a group of people who were following God, but who were doing it a little different than they were. It is a simple lesson, but we are not the only Christians out there. So Philip is proclaiming the Messiah to the city of Samaria, and the crowd listen to Philip and see all of the signs that he does. He delivers men of unclean spirits, he cures the lame, he cures the paralyzed. Standing alongside Philip is a man named Simon, and Simon is a magician. 
He could amaze the crowd. So when Simon sees what Philip can do, he wants to know the hidden secret behind Philip's magic tricks. After all, magic is just a sequence of events that trick the mind or distracts the eye to what is really going on. But Philip has no explanation, no hidden magic trick to explain away his healings. All he knows to do is baptize Simon in the name of Jesus Christ. Therein lies the ability to perform these magic tricks. Because they're not really magic tricks at all. The Samaritans were doing their best with this whole gospel thing, with this whole Jesus is the Messiah thing, but they got a few things wrong. You see, they all thought that Simon, as a magician, was a worker of God. They had no idea that he just had a good sleight of hand. Let that be another caution to us from this text. Everyone's idea of good news is not necessarily the good news of Jesus Christ. Simon's magic was about performing tricks and attributing these signs to himself, but Philip's magic was about healing and attributing these signs to God because Philip's magic wasn't magic. It was a miracle done through the Holy Spirit. Eventually, as our story continues, Peter and John make their trek from Jerusalem to Samaria because they hear about all the good things going on. They hear that the Samaritans are buying into the truth of the gospel. So, Peter and John go to Samaria and invite the Holy Spirit into this city. But why? Why Peter and John... Can Philip not invite the Holy Spirit's activity into the lives of the Samaritan people? The giving of the Spirit is a birthright of every Christian. In this case, the giving of the Spirit comes from Peter and John, from the apostles in Jerusalem, to show that God deeply cares about the unity of Christians. God had not withheld his spirit until the Jerusalem apostles came. Converts on both sides of the cultural barrier would have found Christ without finding each other. That's caution number three. If we find God but don't find each other, we've missed the point. God deeply cares about the unity of Christian believers. It should also be noted that it was incomprehensible that one could be a part of a community without having the Spirit who makes community possible. Perhaps one of the most amazing magic tricks of the Holy Spirit is the ability to make community among sinful Christians a possibility. Christian community is hard. People are messy. And people are not like me. So don't do community without the Holy Spirit. So as our story continues, Peter and John go to Samaria, not carrying the Holy Spirit in their luggage, but ready to give it as a gift. Which looks like what? This giving of the Holy Spirit. The giving of the Holy Spirit by Peter and John is just confusing to us at best. It's confusing because the church has had a never-ending struggle to define its faith in distinction from magic. Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn says that he tried prayer and found that it didn't work. 
He put a shoebox under his bed and prayed that it be filled with gold. He awoke in the morning, and the box was still empty. Whatever Christians mean by the power of the Holy Spirit, we do not mean magic. Power of the Holy Spirit is something very different from magic. In this passage in Acts, Peter and John lay their hands on the Samaritans that they might receive the Holy Spirit. But you should know that the laying on of hands has no significant power in and of itself. It is not simply the action of laying on of hands that manifests the power of the Holy Spirit. The laying on of hands is simply a tangible, a physical way to show that God works through human hands. God works through us. This Sunday is the Sunday that we celebrate the baptism of Jesus Christ. On it, we remember that Christ was baptized. And we remember that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. The Holy Spirit was present for the baptism of Christ. On this Sunday, we are also reminded of our own baptisms. We are reminded of those times that we professed our faith in Christ and were invited to be a member in the household of God. And we also remember that at our baptism, the Holy Spirit was present. The same Holy Spirit who was present for the baptism of Christ was also present at our own. What this passage in Acts helpfully points out is that baptism doesn't mean we get it all. Clearly not. Here, Philip baptizes in the name of Jesus Christ, but that was just the beginning. After this baptism in the name of Christ, Peter and John come to baptize in the name of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit must be present at our baptism. Accepting the word of God is not the same as receiving the Holy Spirit. Both are incredibly important, but they are not the same. You see, we can accept the word of God on a cognitive level and never be spurred on to do anything more. We need to receive the Holy Spirit and all its unpredictability, too. If baptism is just the beginning, if baptism is what invites us into the membership of God's kingdom, then we certainly need the Holy Spirit to guide us and teach us and comfort us along the way. That's another caution from this text. Baptism doesn't mean we get it all. It is just the beginning. At the heart of all of this is the truth that God is a person a person who we never finish learning about. We aren't simply introduced and then know everything about God. Baptism is only the introduction. Also a person, because God makes his own decisions. We can lay hands and pray for boxes under the bed to be filled with gold, and God will decide how he answers. This leaves God looking mysterious. At times, arbitrary. And we hate that. So it is no surprise that there are these special shows on TV. I'm sure you've seen them. Specials on biblical text and biblical stories. In it, they're giving scientific reasons for the miracles that happen. 
a scientific explanation for Noah's Ark, for Jesus and his healings, for turning water into wine. They want to control God and remove the mystery. Because the Holy Spirit is still something we sort of believe, but also don't. But the Holy Spirit is a person. And if we can knock on wood for good luck, avoid ladders and black cats, wish on stars and wishbones, we can certainly pray to the Holy Spirit. If we can knock on wood for good luck, we can certainly wait for the Holy Spirit to act and trust that he will. Because at some point, we have to decide that the Holy Spirit isn't just something that we sort of believe in, but also don't. And that is the final caution. If we only sort of believe in the Holy Spirit, but mostly don't, then we're hoping for a really good magic trick. And a magic trick is not a miracle. You see, a miracle changes the world, but a magic trick... That's just good sleight of hand. A really good magic trick leaves us a bit like Simon the Magician, baptized in the name of Jesus, but never receiving the Holy Spirit. And if we don't receive the Holy Spirit, well, we're just left knocking on wood. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we pray to you because we believe in you. We believe that you work in us to train us, to guide us, to comfort us. We believe that it is only through your power that we can stand here today. It's only through your comfort that all the sorrows of our lives are wrapped up into something greater than ourselves. It is only because of your guidance that we know where to head next. So we ask this morning that we listen to you that we receive you, the Holy Spirit, into our lives and watch and wait for the ways that you will act in us, through us, and in this world. Lord, we believe in you, so help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Would you stand this morning and join me as we affirm our faith by stating the Apostles' Creed, which can be found on page 14 of your hymnal. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.